what will heaven be like? Will we have new bodies or will we be ethereal spirits? Will we know each other? Will we be living in a spiritual world in the heavens or a tangible world on a new earth? These and many other questions about heaven are going to be answered in today's program, so stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have an exciting program for you today. I have a special speaker who is going to give you a biblical view of what heaven is going to be like. His name is Dennis Pollack. Dennis was my colleague for 11 years here at Lamb and Lion Ministries before he decided to form a ministry of his own called Spirit of Grace. It is a ministry that focuses on the proclamation of the gospel to the peoples of Africa. Dennis spoke at our 2016 Bible conference on what the Bible says about the reality and nature of heaven. Here now is Dennis Pollack. I'm excited about this message. Uh, I think the official title was uh, Heaven Ethereal or Corporal. Was that the way you put it, Dave? Real or ethereal. So, you know, words like ethereal uh, are not common words. I I imagine we're going to get to heaven and the Lord will be there and we'll say, well, is this ethereal? He'll say, have you been talking to Dave Reagan? (laughs) So, but uh, basically what I call this was um, uh, simply a biblical perspective. We are going to talk about the ethereal aspect of it, the, the, the aspect that many people believe that there's nothing much real about it, nothing tangible. It's, it's, it's all spirit. And uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to start with a scripture that we're all familiar with. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. Every one of us has heard that scripture. And a lot of times we hear that and we think to ourselves, well, that means there's nothing about heaven you can really know. It's, it's, it's so beyond us that we just have to know it's going to be great and when we get there we'll figure it out. But we can't even imagine anything about heaven. But the Bible goes on. It doesn't actually stop there in that verse. It goes on to say God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. He has shown us some things about heaven. And among some Christians, there's a very simplistic, and I would say oversimplistic view of heaven. And it's this. You die, you go to be with Jesus, and it's great there. You die, you go to be with Jesus, and it's great. And you know what? That's all true. At least it is for all except that one generation that will be raptured. We'll all die, and if we're in Christ, we'll go to be with heaven. We'll find out it is great. What's missing? What's missing are the details. There are some details about heaven that the Bible reveals. 
And I can tell you some things about heaven this afternoon. Not because I've ever been there. Not because I've got some great vision or revelation of heaven from the Lord. I haven't. I'm simply a Bible reader. I read the Bible and I find that God has some things to say about heaven. Our problem is not really a lack of details. Our problem is we don't pay attention to the details that God has revealed. So, the second view, the one that I hold, Dave Reagan holds, and so many of us here hold, is the idea that if you take the scriptures seriously, and you don't assume that they are all spiritual without any physical content or physical aspect or physical dimension, if if you take them seriously and you believe that there can be physical aspect of heaven, you'll come to a different conclusion. So we're going to look at some of that. But before we do that, I want to talk for a minute about the idea of the contempt of heaven we see in a lot of quarters in, in the world. If you talk about heaven, you will be mocked. People will think you are just so foolish, so naive, so simplistic, so childish. And the, the atheists love to mock heaven. Going all the way back to Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche said, In heaven all the interesting people will be missing. Of course, he didn't really believe in heaven at all. Madeline Murray O'Hare, the famous atheist, said, There's no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there are no angels. When you die, you go into the ground, the worms eat you. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Could almost make a hymn out of that somehow. I don't think it would be very popular. The uh, journalist Hunter S. Thompson said, Maybe there's no heaven, or maybe this is all just pure gibberish, a product of the demented imagination of a lazy, drunken hillbilly with a heart full of hate. And Stephen Hawking, famous scientist, says, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There's no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That's a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Well, anybody who thinks much will come up with a very obvious question that needs to be asked these people and those who hold to this position. And the question is, very deep and profound, says who? <laughs> who says this? How do you know that, Stephen, Madeline Murray O'Hare? How do you know that? You see, the only way you could really definitively say there's no heaven is if you had been everywhere there is to be and you knew everything there is to know. Then you could say there's no God, there's no heaven. Problem is, if you've been everywhere there is to be and you know everything there is to know, you are God and you're thereby denying yourself. But, of course, God does not do that. But as miserable as it is to contemplate what the world says about heaven, it's far worse to see what much of the church says, or more specifically, what they don't say. That's the problem in the evangelical church today. Time magazine did an article about heaven some years ago, actually quite a few years ago, and they observed that heaven is AWOL from most churches. It's just not preached. It's not sung. It's not thought about. The thing these days is how God wants to bless you in this life. Let's not talk about the sweet by and by. That's pie in the sky. Let's talk about how he wants to prosper you and make you a more successful businessman, make you uh, have a better family life, a better marriage. One United Methodist spokesman called heaven too controversial to discuss. 
One preacher from Washington said, well, that's a geographical issue that is not really deserving of our attention. We're so busy telling people how to succeed and prosper, we're ashamed of heaven. Remember the old songs, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Just over in the glory land, I'll fly away, sweet by and by, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Today we've become too cool for heaven to talk about it much, or to talk about it at all. C.S. Lewis had a different idea, and this is to me about the most insightful statement that I've read about heaven outside of the scriptures. He said, if you read history, you'll find the Christians who, made, who did the most for the present world are the ones who thought most of the next, the apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on the earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you'll get the earth thrown in. Aim at the earth and you'll get neither. And there's so much truth to that. You think about Paul and Peter and Wilberforce and all the the great Christians that made such an impact on the world. And they had heaven before them and in their thoughts all the time. But more importantly than those guys, let's look at our Lord Jesus for a moment. Jesus continually affirmed heaven. He spoke about it all the time. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He gives you the title, Father, the address, heaven. Where is God the Father? Some people say, well, he's everywhere. His spirit is everywhere. But the person of the Father is in heaven. Not on on the earth, not in Washington, D.C., but in heaven. Jesus said, whoever denies me before men, him I'll also deny before my Father who is in heaven. He could have simply said before God Almighty. He liked to use the expression, your Father in heaven. Just let that soak in for a moment. The words of Jesus, the expression, one of his favorite expressions, your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In the news articles and documentaries, we often talk about experts. Experts say this, experts say that. Well, rightly so. Naturally, if you want to find the truth about a subject, you would be wise to go to those who really know what they're talking about. But when it comes to heaven, do we have such an expert anywhere to be found? Are you an expert on heaven? Am I? Is any of us? The answer is no. But the Bible declares Christ came from heaven, and he is the very creator and architect of heaven. And he told us about heaven, believed in heaven, told us we have a father in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I take the theology of Jesus Christ a lot more seriously than the theology of Tom Hanks or Oprah Winfrey or so many others that would try to tell us about life. 
It's good for you to think about heaven and believe in heaven. You have been watching a presentation by Dennis Pollock of Spirit of Grace Ministries regarding what the Bible says about heaven. After establishing the reality of heaven in his very clever and fascinating introduction, Dennis began to talk about what heaven would be like, about how real and tangible it would be. Let's return now to his presentation. Now let's talk about the, the view that heaven is totally spiritual, no physical aspect whatsoever. You die, again, you die, you go to heaven, it's great, you're a spirit, you're not real, nobody can touch you. If they try to touch you, their hand will go through your body. You like to flit from cloud to cloud, harp to harp. <laughs> it's just wonderful there, but nothing is really real, not like it is here. Well, there are some reasons why they might believe that. The Bible says God is spirit. You could say, yes, God is spirit. Therefore, heaven is spirit. Everything is spirit. We die, we go to heaven. We're all spirit. Randy Alcorn termed the, uh, created the term Christoplatonism, the idea that everything flesh is evil. Your body is evil. And of course, if you're going to go to heaven, you can't go with your body. And so your body's left behind, and in heaven will be spirits rid of this evil body. And if you didn't think about it too much, and you just picked up a few phrases from Scripture, you could believe that. Paul talks about this body of death, speaking about the indwelling sin nature. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And really, when you think about the biblical term, the flesh, don't yield to the flesh, don't make opportunity for the flesh, we think of the body, right? So you could say, okay, our body is riddled with sin, our body is sin, our body is the sin nature. If we want to go to heaven and be pure, we get rid of the sin, get rid of the body, and we live as pure spirits. That would be fine if we only had those few little verses but we don't. We have a lot more. So what does happen when you die? Again, I know the answer to that. And the reason I know is not because I have died, but because I read the Bible. Well, first thing we need to understand is that when you die, you will indeed go to be with Jesus Christ. You will go to what some theologians call an intermediate heaven. Intermediate meaning temporary. It's not the full, complete package. It's only, you're only in a certain degree in the place you'll be for eternity. Paul put it this way, we're confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Absent from the body. The body's left behind. We're gone. And we're with Jesus. Philippians 1.23, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Everybody say, far better. Far. Say it again, far better. Question, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if you do, you will rejoice over your loved ones that are there. You may grieve over missing them. That's fine. That's legitimate. But you'll also have a joy to know they are happier than they've ever been. They're more peaceful than they've ever been. Life is better for them than it's ever been. It's far better, says Paul. 
So if grandma is dead and she was a Christian, she's in heaven right now. But her body's not there. Her body is in the ground. And some people think that's all there is to it. But then you have to deal with this concept, the scripture terms the resurrection. The resurrection. And a lot of people would say, well, why do we even need a resurrection? You're in heaven. You're with Jesus. Everything's perfect. Everything's great. There's no need for anything further. Let me tell you a little story. Some years ago, and our family has been rather... I've struggled much of my life financially. I have never been a very wealthy person. And some years ago, I was so desperate to get a car that wasn't very old because I had driven all these junkers and all these old cars. I made the terrible mistake of getting a car that was almost new, very cheaply. But the problem was it was a Yugo. Anybody remember the Yugos? (laughs) Beautiful, shiny, red Yugo. And I was so proud of my new Yugo. I mean, it wasn't brand new. It was like a year old, but $80 a month payments. Who could beat that? And it had a a guarantee that they would fix anything that went wrong for like the next eight years. And I was thrilled. I said, you've got an almost new car, shiny, pretty red. And they're going to fix it if anything goes wrong. What I didn't realize was it was going to be constantly in and out of the shop being fixed. And I would be without a car. It was terrible. Anything, it was Murphy's Law all compacted into a car. (laughs) Anything that could go wrong with a Yugo would go wrong with a Yugo. And I asked the question, where are the Yugos today? (laughs) They're all in the junkyard, of course. And finally... A lady did me a tremendous favor. She ran into the back of me while I was in that Yugo. I could have kissed her. Finally, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Ran right into the back and total that Yugo. I tried to act like I was all concerned, you know, and uh, oh, you've, you've hit me and now uh, my car inside I was rejoicing. <laughs> Now, the Yugo went to the junkyard, but I didn't stay with it. I got out. And when you die, your Yugo, or maybe you have a Cadillac, but in this case it's a Yugo, your Yugo is going to go into the junkyard, but you're not going to stay there. You're going to get out of it. And you're going to be absent from the Yugo and present with the Lord. Or as Paul said, absent from the body and present with the Lord. But the, the thing of it is, I needed a car. I could not just simply walk around. Americans don't function without cars. I know in Africa where I go, lots of people don't have cars. But in America, you need a car. You have to have a car. And we were doing a little bit better financially. And I was able to get, uh, again, it wasn't brand new, but it was just a few years old, maybe three years old, Toyota van. And it was so much better than a Yugo And I just admire, I'd had to go step out of the house and just kind of admire that Toyota van. I was so happy. Now, the illustration is not perfect because if it was a perfect illustration, I would get a glorified Yugo instead of the old Yugo back. 
Because you're not going to get really a totally new and different body. You're going to get a perfected, glorified body based on the body you've had all along. Some of you may be saying, I don't think I even want this body anymore. (laughs) But don't worry. By the time God's finished, you'll love it. And it'll be right for you. Here's what the Bible says. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will be sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible. You say, now wait a minute, I don't quite get this because uh, if I'm in heaven already, why do I need to be raised? No, it's not really you being raised, it's your body being raised and clothing your spirit once again. You will become a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, and that will be your state for eternity. Spirit, soul, and body. You were made to function in a body. And God is going to get you a body for eternity based on the body you have, but glorified, raised, perfected, and strengthened. The Bible says, The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Spirits are in heaven, bodies raised, clothe the spirits once again. John 5, 28, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life. We believe in the resurrection We believe that when we say goodbye to our loved one, even their body will be raised once again and we'll see life once again in a perfected state. And here's a little clue. It's not really the the topic that I'm talking on, but just to let you know, even the ungodly will have their own resurrection. Paul says, I have hope in God that they themselves also accept that there'll be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Adolf Hitler will be raised. Mussolini will be raised. Jack the Ripper will be raised. And lots of other nondescript, run-of-the-mill, garden-variety sinners will be raised. In fact, we'll all be raised at different times. The Christian raised at the coming of Christ, those that sleep in Christ, the sinners raised much later on. But there'll be a resurrection of both So right now, sinners are not in their permanent position, not in their permanent state. They're in Hades waiting a trial, but that trial will never happen until they have had their bodies raised and they'll stand before Christ, spirit, soul, and body. I heard a testimony of uh, a man that used to run with the gangs. He had a terribly rough life, and he liked to refer to some of his old buddies in sin that were now dead with this expression, he said, yeah, they're now crackling and popping in hell, (laughs) burning in the lake of fire, that is. But the truth is, there's nobody crackling and popping in hell right now. There's nobody in the lake of fire. They're in Hades. They're in what we might think of as the county jail, waiting for trial. And though there are people in heaven, it's not the the full, complete, permanent heaven that we will see later. So neither Satan nor sinner that's passed on is in their permanent condition. If we want to see what will this new body look like, what will it be like, we don't have to look any further than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called, and this is very important, the first fruits of the resurrection. The first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits is an agricultural term. It means the first ripened plants in a harvest, the first agricultural produce of a season. 
So it is the one that goes before. We might call it the premier showing. If you want to know what your resurrection body will look like, just read a little bit about what Jesus was like after he was raised. So let's look at Luke 24. The disciples have seen him appear before them, and they're amazed, they're astonished, they're afraid. And some of them are even doubting, can this even be Jesus? He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Handle me and see. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. I like the phrase, it is I myself. Not somebody else, it's me. And touch me. And when they touched him, their hand didn't go through him like you might suppose would be the case with a spirit, with a ghost of some kind. They found he was tangible. He was real. He was capable of being touched. And they could feel his body. He was saying, yeah, you might be scared if I was a spirit, but hey, this is me. This is the guy that walked on the Sea of Galilee. This is the guy that had meals with you all throughout Israel. This is the one you heard preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the same Jesus. Now, he's the first fruits of the resurrection, which means when you are raised, you'll still be the same people. Minus sin, minus the ability to age and so forth, but you'll still be you. Sometimes we have such an esoteric view of heaven and of the resurrection, we suppose we'll be so unlike we are now that we won't even be recognizable to ourselves. We'll lose all our memory. We won't look the same. We won't feel the same. We won't be the same. But Jesus says, it's I myself. As he was then, so it is now, so it will be at the resurrection. Another place, it says, they still didn't believe for joy. He marveled. He said, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. He took it. He ate in their presence. Let me tell you something. There's nothing so human as eating. Somebody say amen. amen. It's just about the most human thing you can do. We just did it. And we enjoyed ourselves. But we suppose that in heaven we'll be so spiritual that we won't care about eating and we won't care about drinking and we won't even remember where we've been or what we've done and we'll just be floating here and floating there. (laughs) But Jesus was a very real person, the same guy they had known all along. He says, give me some fish. Give me some honey. I like that. You can eat sweet things. You know what? I don't think his blood sugar rose even one point when he ate that honey. (laughs) Well, folks, the rest of this absolutely fascinating presentation about heaven is available on our 2016 conference album, which I will tell you how to get a copy of in a few moments. That's our program for this week. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing that you will be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Folks, I am delighted to announce that the video album of our 2016 Bible Conference is now available for distribution. The theme of the conference was the Great Debates of Bible Prophecy. The album contains three DVD discs, and they in turn contain six presentations that were made at the conference, most of which run 50 minutes in length. Dr. David Hawking, a renowned radio Bible teacher, kicked off the conference by discussing the debate as to whether or not the church and our nation should be supportive of Israel. 
He was followed by our assistant evangelist, Tim Moore, who discussed the debate about whether or not we can know the date of the Lord's return. Next was Ron Rhodes, a very gifted Bible teacher who spoke on the debate regarding the timing of the rapture. My former associate, Dennis Pollack, spoke on the debate regarding the nature of heaven. Our associate evangelist, Nathan Jones, spoke on the debate regarding the millennium. The last presentation on the album is one that I made regarding the nature of hell. This album runs about five hours in length. It can be yours for a gift of $25 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at the address on the screen. If you call, please call Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 